Hello there, friends, and welcome back to Sad PP. It's episode number nine. Another Sunday has gone by, and here we are with another member of the South American Dota 2 community. He's had a couple different names. You probably know him right now as Avo Plus. In my head, I think Mr. Avocado, but in my memories, I think D Swordfish. So, my friend, uh, excited to have you here, and uh, how the hell are you? Yeah, I'm doing quite fine on this wonderful night. You know, 2 a.m., perfect time for podcasting, of course. My neighbors really love me. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So where, where are you right now? We're, we're going to cover a whole bunch of stuff. But despite being a man of South America, you're over in uh, one of those other time zones, right? Yeah, I'm in Malaysia. I'm in Kuala Lumpur. I'm in the capital of Malaysia here. I see. So, oh. so what's going on over there? Is that That's e-pulse-related stuff, right? Yes. I, well, I came here like... A, I, don't, I can't remember quarantine time, you know? I think a year and a half ago, more or less, I came yeah. around here. Cool. All right, like two summers ago. And then, yeah, the people just had a studio in Kuala Lumpur, so they, they shipped me here from Scotland where I was studying back then. Oh. And yeah, I haven't been back since, unfortunately, due to the, again, COVID. COVID really uh, destroyed my social relationships in Spain, but no. So, so you were studying in Scotland, uh, but before yep. that, you were living in Spain. So you're you're a Spain Spanish speaker, not a not a Peru Spanish speaker speaker. Indeed. Correct. I'm, fu oh. I'm fully 100. percent My dad is from Extremadura, which is in the west of Spain near Portugal, and my mom is from Catalonia. So ah. I'm fully 100 okay. percent Spanish. Well, so did, did I fuck up then? Did I? I mean, do you consider yourself like a, a member of the South American Dota community, or are you just you're you're an EU boy that happens to speak Spanish, dude? You're like a defector. Well, you know, it was actually really funny because uh, in the last cast, because I was doing a SADPC right in Spanish, and the last cast we got to do was the last cast of the the, the, the league before like tiebreakers and stuff. Uh, I was casting with Choco, who's I've, I've known him for like three, four years, a very big Spanish caster, and he starts uh -huh. the cast by uh, I don't I don't know why it came up. He just said, "Oh, and here is Abel Plus. You might you guys might know him as a Spaniard, but he's truly." pretty much a Peruvian at this point because he's been with us for so long. And I can't tell you how heartwarming that was, man. That was like one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me, particularly <laughs> because of my own relation with my country. I don't love the whole idea of being Spanish. I haven't lived in Spain for a while. There's a reason for it. The community there never uh, treated me nicely. So uh, when the South Americans like embraced me, it was very, very nice. I, I felt really touched there. Do you mean like the general oh. community in Spain or the Dota community oh. in Spain? I mean, the Dota community was nice, but the esports community in Spain is not so nice. Oh, oh. Dota is very small, so it's much more about the individual. So if you get lucky, you know, like there's like I'm not kidding, like 20, 25 players in in, in the Dota community in Spain. It's a very small game there. I see. So those people are nice. They're more individuals, but when you get into the general esports community and you get some of the more uh, prevalent issues in Spain, mainly discrimination and stuff like that, it's a bit less. Uh. One of the reasons they don't like me is because I actually work with South Americans. They don't like that. They think I'm a traitor oh. to my nation, which I think wow. is the Jeez. stupidest thing okay. I ever heard in my life. Well, I was to say, Bowie, always, I yeah, how's, how's Brazil on that? Are, are they nice when it comes to esports? That's an interesting metric uh, to me. I don't know where, where Brazil would hmm. rank on that chart. I would say, uh, I would say we are like as a community, we are pretty nice. I think overall, there get you know, there's always that one, two, three. Uh, you guys support people your own that, like, a lot. Yes, uh, but like there, there are a couple of people that get the bad fame, but overall, I would say we're we're nice. But I was gonna say though, uh, I'm learning Spanish, and uh, I did figure out, you know, there's a lot of differences in between Spanish from South America and uh, Spain Spanish. Yep. So, if you're in South America, Zayori, and you want to get a bus, you usually say I'm going to coger el autobús. <sighs> but if you're in Spain, coger uh, uh, actually has a pretty demeaning uh, 
Really? That's, meaning? It's, it's, it's the opposite yes. way around, but yes. It's, it's South America oh, is it? has a meaning. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. In South America, <laughs> they use agarrar instead of coger when they mean to say to grab something, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, coger. coger. <laughs> what does it mean, Sayor? Uh, sorry, what does it mean, Bowie? What does it mean, South America? Uh, <laughs> it would mean something like to fuck. Uh, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. To do it. And, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, be careful. All right. Yeah, but anyways, it's, it's tough out there, man. I don't know. That's I think that's one of the fundamental challenges of South America. Like I think of it just Spanish and Portuguese. And then within Portuguese, yeah. you've got Portugal, Portuguese, Brazil, Portuguese. And then within Spanish, you've got like European, Spain, Spanish and South American, like Peru, Spanish. I guess there's a lot of different Spanish in South America and uh -huh. Central America. But um, yeah. It, the region is just so, like, compared to Southeast Asia, where I normally draw that parallel, at least English is a unifier there. Like, that region is yeah. so diversified that and if everybody speaks English, and then that allows, like, you know, us to do commentary there. But in, there, there's basically zero demand for English commentary for Dota in South America. It's just all this region-specific, you know, I'm sure people from Portugal don't like listening to people from Brazil and vice versa, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it depends. Some people in South America do find uh, they have... It's a very common trope among Hispanics that we we are both the most proud people and also the... And this refers to Spain as well. We're the most proud and also the most embarrassed. Like, we kind of admit <laughs> our own issues in history because uh, most of our history is like a combination of like, wow, and also, oh my God, how could you do this? You know, like... Yeah. So it's uh, because of that, a lot of people in South America, there's like a very big division between those that only listen to Spanish content and they like their content better mm -hmm. and then those that find that Spanish content is inferior regardless of the quality of the content but just by the act of being Spanish. So they, they set themselves apart and they'll be like, no, no, I listen to the English cast. You can't imagine how many viewers will listen to me in mm. Spanish and be like, I like Avo, but in English, he just sounds better. And I'm like, nah, it's, it's the exact same voice. It's the exact same person. That's pretty <laughs> It's just funny. your idea of the language. Yeah. That's that's pretty funny. And by the way, what what is the difference between a Latino and, and Hispanic? Are those... I think we use um, those interchangeably in America, and I don't know if that's actually mm. correct. Well, because I, I don't use the term Latino because a lot of the, so I, I don't have as much interaction. I mean, now I do with, with Richie because he's also Mexican-American, mm. but I don't have many interaction with, you know, South American immigrants in America. So I'm not really sure what they like being called. But a lot of South Americans, the idea of being Latino is like, it, it's not true to your heritage because Latino kind of implies, first of all, the word itself, it, it takes away from the original heritage of the South Americans, mm. right? Like the the um, indigenous heritage. Mm -hmm. So it's by saying, no, no, you're Latin now. Like speak, referring to the Romance languages, right? Oh. You're Latin, you're ours. And that's not great. Whereas Hispanic acknowledges more along the lines that you're part of the Spanish culture, which is true for at least everything but Brazil, right? In South America. Yeah. And well, in French I Guinea see. as well. So usually I use the term Hispanic to refer to the general Spanish culture. And I try to use, and Latino, I only use it in like specific contexts where people have told me it's okay. But oh, usually I, I try see. to avoid that word. Uh -huh. Bowie, is that, back that, is that your understanding as well? Is uh, that... I will say so. Okay. Like, I think most people in Brazil don't even like have that, uh, like, the, I don't think they, I'm not going to say care, but it's it's definitely something that people don't think about that much you know mm, but i would okay. say he's right i would say overall uh, that's pretty much it yeah well that that's one Usually thing use the country 
Yeah. The, the country yeah. is the best way to refer to them. Like if you you don't want to like I only use Hispanic to refer to like the language or the general Hispanic culture, mm-hmm. but like usually it's it's like they're Peruvians, they're Argentinians, they're Chileans, they have nothing to do with each other. Yeah, so I you, see. Differentiating yeah. is important. Separated by country. Okay, no that, that that's a good distinction. Yeah, and um I, I guess I, I've learned a lot about, um, let's just say, South American culture when it comes to anything offensive or PC. Uh, um, like the, the the ethical compass is interesting down there. I mean, maybe that's a big topic we can dive into here as the first chunk of this podcast. I'm curious because both of you have engaged with some of my tweets. I'm sure you've seen the recent stuff with uh, Aretes and uh, the stuff yeah. he posted in the pub game. The the racially sensitive material that um, now he's been su- suspended from the team. I think the only thing they're playing in is the BTS Americas, and he got suspended from that from the BTS side as well. And it started with a, a DM from T Governor to me, who was just kind of like, yo, man, you're more of a whistleblower than I am. What the fuck is this? And then I confirmed it on Jubei's stream and tweeted it, and then the rest is kind of history. So it was cool that Latam Defenders as an org recognized it right away. Uh, it was more the dialogue surrounding it that, very similar to the Jericho situation, made me feel like, honestly, a lot of this, not to excuse it, there's, there's some cultural differences here that are deep-rooted in this discussion beyond just applying the American lens. And I think that part was, was kind of interesting to see firsthand the spectrum of responses of people from different cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's quite. Uh, I always like when that topic gets brought up, particularly because it's two things that need to get dealt with. Like, as someone, you know, I, I would never empathize or I will never justify someone using a racist word, regardless of where that word is racist. But it's also true that, <clears throat> particularly in in the, I guess, in the international community, we like to call it international. But the reality is, most of the policing of around these ideas is. American or at least Anglo-Saxon. And, yeah, and you're, I'd say like American, yeah. North American, European. You know, like Canada's yeah. in there, the UK's in there. They're all pretty fucking PC also in terms yeah. of their lefty culture, you know? <laughs> but it's, all, it's all their PC, though. And uh, one of the things I... I I mean, I don't say I'm against PC culture because, you know, the people that say that, yeah. they really just want to say the N-word, which I don't have any need to. But uh, I don't like the idea that these things aren't explained as often. Like, a lot of people, I understand, you know, you're in the position where you suffer this racism at home. You 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 don't want to have to engage with these people. But at the same time, the people you're talking to have never experienced this. They have no clue what you're talking about. They have no empathy towards you because they're ignorant, to be honest. They just don't know about your culture. Mm-hmm. And I bet if I told you a bunch of things that are racist towards my culture, you would also go, oh, wow. Like, actually, in my interactions with a bunch of American casters, I'm not going to name names, but they have said a lot of stuff to me, which is, like, properly offensive. And they have no clue. They, they don't know they're saying it. And I just... Chalk it up to saying, oh, it's ignorance and I'm used to this. That's how I go around the world. You know, my, my issues are not particularly well known. So I just have to accept it. But it yeah. does suck sometimes. Right? I just have to accept it and, and educate anyone else. And that I don't get that privilege of being able to say, no, this is wrong. Please don't say this, which I would love to say. Mm-hmm. I think another uh, another part of uh, what happened with Varet is that, you know, I, I, I totally agree with Vavo. I think uh, I don't want to justify anything that he did. I think that's definitely yeah. wrong. But I, I just wonder, like, uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of tier one players that do the same thing that he did. Uh, and, you know, why, why is that guy being punished when, like, there, there's no policing on what whatever tier one player is doing? Even when you actually see it on Reddit or stream, like, you don't see anyone particularly calling it out, you know, unless yeah. it's like my like the mind control incident or something like 
that big. So it, I kind of get slightly sad that he's the one that gets punished, just because, like, it just yeah. feels like he's the 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 like the uh, smallest fish in the pond, you know. Well, uh, or... So it does cut a couple different ways, though. And in some ways, it's like quote good that this happened not during DPC because in theory, <laughs> like, what's the punishment yeah. here? He's gonna lose out on prize money from BTS Americas. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, you're you're right. That is money or whatever. But this probably isn't going to affect DPC. I'm pretty sure Valve isn't going to do anything. He's not going to be like barred from a land. Um, and I I hope that this is going to be one of those like okay, we've sort of made an example out of someone, and the broader conversation helps helps uh just communicate the expectations. You know that there's more of that international lens applied. I do also agree that like. I mean, why isn't this shit written down? For any other yeah. major sports uh, league, you can Google their rule book. Like, you can copy-paste their code of conduct. All of them have some different tweaks, but most of them have shit about ethics and insider information and match-fixing. Like, they dummy-proof it, you know? It's a fucking list of very clear things with definitions explained exactly what it is, why you can't do it, and what the intention of the rule is. And I, as far as I'm aware, we don't really have that. I think if you get invited to teach you get that talk valve actually yeah. sits down and tells you that but if you're just invited to dpc i i don't think that's necessarily made without a shadow of a doubt obvious and to me that is that's that's really unfortunate you know it's it's like mm -hmm. it's it's hard for anybody on our level to mass communicate that when you think about how yeah. big valve is it's it's way different if they put out that black and white that says, yo, zero tolerance. These here's the exact rule set that applies to everyone equally. We don't even have that, man. They they, they need to work more and putting more work into the background, right? To educate in the community. I one thing I notice is that whenever like for example, you called out Aretes and I I thought it was the right thing to do because I think you should call out every act of racist behavior. Yeah. But the problem is that the only thing you can truly do is calling him out, right? Yeah. And because Aretes is from a smaller team, because he's also relatively young, because he's from a, a different culture, you can never quite distinguish when you call out a player if it's ignorance or malice. And the distinction yeah. is important because if someone is truly trying to be racist and continues to be racist, he needs to mm -hmm. be kicked out of our community. I don't want that in my community. But if someone is just an idiot, like, I mean... I chance. guess we can give them certain chances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. But right now we can't distinguish because no, there's no encouragement towards teams uh, yeah. teaching their players, hey, don't be idiots. Like, hey, have some empathy for your fellow man. It's not that difficult, really. You know, hey, this word offends yeah. some people. Don't use it. And in the um, in the double standards that Bowie is talking about before, if you allow me to be a bit of a whistleblower myself, uh, within the same BTS tournament, and I found this like one of the things that I found weird after BTS decided to also ban Aretes because, of course, uh, oh. a lot of defenders doing it made sense. Right. But in the own BTS tournament, one of the games that I was casting is I'm casting the tournament in Spanish. Um, Arkosh Gaming used the word uh, used the word "cuck" as an insult towards an enemy team. Cuck, which if used as an insult, not only shames people of a certain sexual t uh, kink, but also kind of usually uh, enforces the whole gender normative ideals, right? The mm. idea that you have to be the alpha male versus the beta male, kind of these ideas. And I understand this is not the same word as the N-word by any means, but this is also a pro game. We still don't and know what the rules are, the right? We still yeah, don't know like, what the line is. The line? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I found it weird that you decided to ban one player for using that word in the pub and 
another player gets to use relatively derogatory language in your yeah. pro matches. Yeah. Like you don't even say anything about it in the match itself, you know? That's true. Let alone That's... ban them. I, I agree. It's different. Everything's different when it's like in your backyard, when it's your league. If this were happening in DPC, so different than it, when it's in a pub. It, morally, it's it's still bad. But in terms of like the, the optics and the visibility, mm -hmm. right? When there's hundreds of thousands of people watching the broadcast versus a pub that nobody's watching except for a handful of people across some different streams, just a totally different degree in terms of the reach and that impact and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I very much agree about the second chance thing. And I think the goal should be to educate and make it as easy as possible so that when we do have to punish people, it's very clear. It's like, all right, dude, you were warned. You're given a chance. You confirmed you read the rules. You checked the box. I don't know what the fuck your problem is now. Get the help. Like, <laughs> Exactly. You know, um, I, I think yeah. we, we need maybe not a, a three strike system exactly, but, you know, something to to that effect where you have to, I think, first offenses get a little more leniency, all things equal, um, especially when there's no context and stuff like that. It's just like a straight up, you know, mm -hmm. it. He's he's just trying to be offensive. You, you can tell the way the, this wasn't propaganda, right? That's the line that I'm drawing here. It's just it's purely using a slur to be particularly hateful to that person because they fit into that demographic. You're using the slur for it, it's very it's a, it's a very one to one sort of thing here. He's mad that he's playing techies. Uh, you know the the rage is bubbling over, so he's using racist words. I, it's it doesn't make it okay, but fuck. Um, so, yeah, I did feel bad about it, also, for the record. I, I mean, it was one of those, like, before I press tweet, I'm sitting there like, <sighs> I, you feel bad either way, right? You, you'll see that. Somebody brings it. It's different. Like, I don't watch Jubei's stream. So, like, I'm not the lookout police. I'm not actively, like, looking around with my magnifying glass trying to find racism to call out. But when somebody delivers it to you on a platter... There's a degree of guilt by looking the other way, right? That's fucked up in a, in a sense. So as much as I know it's going to hurt Aretes and I feel bad that it'll probably be disproportionately looked at, I also have to sleep with my own conscience at, conscience at night, you know, knowing that I saw something I could have call, called out and just purposefully went, nah, that's not me today. Like, that's that's pretty fucked up. That's not the person I want to be either. So... I don't know. Because you can't do anything else. Yeah. You're in a position where that's that's your best bet, right? Like, you, you have to call this out on Twitter. You can't... If you had the option to maybe approach Aretes and talk to him about this, like, man-to-man -man and discuss this... Well, so, maybe you would have I did message the manager first before I tweeted it, and which, I waited... one of the managers? Um, hold on. I forget the name. But the, the man, whoever is listed as the manager for Let's Him Defenders, I think it was uh, Blue Melbourne... Oh yeah, Bleo, that, that guy's Bleo Melbourne. Funny because he's actually he's he's black as well, <laughs> like full on. I think yeah, I think oh, so. He's boy. he's listed as the Let's Hand Defenders org, so he might be like the team he's manager. Also one of the CEOs. Yeah, yeah, high up at the org. Either way, he's the person I messaged, and I didn't get a response immediately. It was probably like forty five minutes or something. So I I didn't like hold that against him, but I did try to like do it private first and. You know, not that you always have to be at your computer or be able to respond, but I, I extended the olive branch, but I didn't sit on it for that long. And he did message me back after I'd posted it saying, like, sorry, I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't have my phone on me. I was out doing stuff. I would have responded. He, he very quickly said, please don't take this as a sign that I was trying to avoid responding to you because I was I, I just wasn't at my computer. I would have responded if I were here. So and based on their response, I mean, I, I think 
on an organizational level. I mean, Latam Defenders deserves a big pat on the back. I read a lot of the comp translated a lot of those Facebook comments. They they did not get much street cred for doing that, right? The the locals <laughs> were not happy. So um yeah. I don't know. Like big ups to them. That that that's a that was awesome. That's a class act. He's to a me. great dude. People should uh like he I, he's been in the scene for I don't know ten years or so. I remember because I started working with him maybe six years ago, seven years ago. He's a graphic designer back then. Um, he's he's an awesome dude. One of the few people that in the South American community has actually been committed to increasing the awareness over these things. Mm. As you say, the community mm. has a lot of tendency towards sexism and racism, which is something that some people are worried about, but some people are not. And it, it's difficult when you have public figures going both ways. And Blue has been. Again, his name is awful, by the way. <laughs> Blue misspelled. Uh, Blue has been uh, always on the side of like trying to call out these things, trying to improve. But of course, yeah, you can't micromanage your players, right? Again, like I'm surprised that a player who has a manager who's of that race that you're supposed to be racist against, yeah, that's... you'd still use those words, yeah. right? I don't, I don't know how that happens, but yeah, I, I guess we, we got some some basic block building to to do, but um, yeah, so, so far, um, I, I hesitate to say the punishment fits the crime because it's a pretty light punishment. But at the same time, um, I, I don't think it, there's been an overreaction yet in terms of him being banned or anything like that. So no. um, that aspect, I think, has gone gone well, at least. Um, you know, people call it cancel culture, but I, I would counter that with has he really been canceled or has he just been consequenced? And so far, I think he's just been consequenced. But, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Anyway. Um, so let's talk DPC a little bit, dude. How was your coverage? Did you do Spanish coverage for for most of it, or were, were you doing some English? What what was your spread like this season? I was doing uh, wait uh, did South America upper and lower uh, Spanish, North America upper and lower Spanish, EU and CIS upper in Spanish, CIS lower English, and then uh, also tiebreakers all, all in the English. Fuck CIS. Bowie, yeah, I was. This, I was what what the fuck are you doing? This this guy's like slaying it in all <laughs> languages, all regions. You did South America in English. You could have been doing the whole world in Portuguese on the side, baby. What the hell are you doing? I mean, the BTS I, BTS has a big crew working, yeah, but dude. they also have like I think it's a lot of people, uh, you know, during this COVID time. So yeah, all right, and, and they're doing everything on site. So I was a little. Uh, I see. So it's yeah. tougher than you think to get those gigs. Those gigs are, are hard. Like I, I, if I ever step my foot out of the pool, the Spanish pool, for like too long, I'm out. I'm out forever. Oh, I wow. have to con yeah. constantly do streams or, or cast or talk to big personalities, all this stuff. Yeah, it's it's tougher. It's not like the uh, like there's some languages that are minor. You know, maybe like French, where it's easier. You can argue to get in, right? But in Spanish mm. or Brazil it, or it's part, it's quite yeah. Hard. There's a lot of huh. passionate people trying to work for those gigs. And I mean, so they have a huge structure, so it's not like I, I could even compete with what they were offering. So were you sense. on site for a lot of that coverage, Avo, or was all of this remote for you? Were you on site for the Spanish this, stuff? No, I was all all of this remote. Yeah. Uh, we all did it from the studio uh, we have here on Eple, so it's like, oh. you know, like a small studio broadcast. Mm -hmm. But uh, because Peru's had a pretty hard lockdown, uh, they were originally trying okay. to get me on site, which I would have loved. But uh, because I could leave this country, <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> uh, that wasn't it, it didn't pan out mainly because COVID in Peru is quite rough. And so instructions are very heavy, right? Particularly for me. OK, uh, I don't want to veer too far from uh, DPC stuff, but I'm curious why you say that about Malaysia, because I'm not going to lie, buddy. 
bef- the end of last year, before I got that Epic gig, I was looking at the old esports income, kind of like, all right, I could do one COVID year like this. I can't do two COVID years like this. I'm, I'm thinking about backup plans here. And backup plan like D or E was move to Southeast Asia and start racking up a bunch of English-speaking talent gigs. And I definitely thought KL was KL was like the value spot in terms of cost of living for potential access to gigs. Are you saying Malaysia is not all it's cracked up to be, bud? Is that, is that what... Uh, should I avoid well, Operation Backup Plan D? <laughs> well, I mean, for my personal reasons, the only reason I'll tell you why I wanted to leave this country is that I can't currently because I'm the special visas in Malaysia and whatnot, you know, COVID. Mm. I can't leave and come back in. And I have not seen my girlfriend in a year. I just want to see her. Uh, That's my main oh my motivation God. to leave this country. I but uh, on, on what you point out, though, it is a it is much more difficult than you think, mainly because a lot of people here are willing to work for. I I don't think in peanuts does it justice. I've seen I've seen monkeys in the circus get more money than these people. Like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people in SCA, the problem that they have is that they ca- they need to survive off this, right? But there's not enough gigs. And I'm gonna lie, they face a lot of discrimination in the scene, mainly because of their accent. Because so all the English speakers who have like a, a bit of a Malay or Chinese accent or whatever. You're never getting those guys gigs. Like Winter was special because he's a pro player, but the majority of like hype cast or stuff like that, it's it's really tough for them. Right. So what they end up doing is they expand as opposed to vertically, they expand horizontally into many titles. But what happens then? Their casting, unfortunately, is just not that great. Like for any game, because they yeah. just do a bunch of titles, right? So mm-hmm. they're not specialized in any game, which means they never grow, which means their rates stay poor forever. And if they if they up the rates a, a bit, people die of hunger. Because you, you're literally like you're 28 at this point. You've been doing esports for six years. You haven't increased at all. You have like 2,000 followers on all of your social media combined. What do you do? You know, now you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it's really, really difficult to make it here, honestly. Really, really difficult because of the situation. Hmm. And I don't really blame them for undercutting others because their situation is, is also a very tough one. Like it's not really their fault as well, but they can't yeah. grow. I mean, I think you've got commentators undercutting each other um, pretty much at all tiers of Dota casting uh, across all cultures. So certainly not unique to that. But uh, I I hear you, though. That is uh, maybe it's more competitive than I was thinking about it in my head. Uh, it's insanely competitive here. It's yeah. like you can't imagine how many commentators I know. Like it's, re- I have all my friends here are all casters, and I don't I have like 60, 70 people in my in my pool, all casters of like different esports that all work in KL. It's ridiculous. Wow. Well, um, so how was Spanish coverage, though, for DPC? We heard uh, basically, you know, doing English for South America. I, I had to I felt like I had to keep warning our talent like sweet Bowie here. Like, all right. Now we know the average viewership's not going to be great for a lot of this. All right. Let's not uh, let's not look at the number. Let's just close Twitch. Let's just do the best goddamn coverage we can. And everybody embraced it. You know, no, our, our group was definitely professional enough. Like, ah, who gives a shit about the clout? We're just doing our thing. People are going to tune in or they're not. A lot of it has to do with scheduling and European matches that are on at the same time as us. Anyway, it's obviously not a reflection on the broadcast itself it's just the dense dota schedule and our region's not high priority dota pit told us consistently that in spanish and portuguese we had like record-breaking numbers of viewership um is that true did you guys experience that is it mostly on facebook what's facebook chat like hit me with all the like juicy juicy drama details on the broadcast side i mean uh so yeah it was it was record-breaking it was record-breaking uh it was mostly so it's it's interesting because Facebook has a special feature. I don't know if you know, but it's called cross streaming, where it's similar to like the Twitch, what is it? Uh, squad streams, the squad streams. Yeah, yeah. thank you. 
so they, they have like a, a cross streaming where they just add all the viewership of all the channels together, right? Very similar to the cross streaming in Twitch. But it's been a feature since day one in Facebook. It's something I really made a, a point to like emphasize. And so a lot of the, the people that they got for casting were particularly also big streamers, myself mm. included, of course, with big social media. Much bigger, actually. Social media for Spanish casters is like, I'm not joking, maybe 10 times bigger than English casters. Like it's ridiculous. The wow. top, the top huh. Spanish casters were talking like 500k followers, some of like that. And the engagement is way followers. different, right? Like, because you guys the engagement don't. Engagement is much higher because you don't much have higher. Reddit or anything like that. So this is the replacement for a lot of the like centralized tools we use in the West. It's just a, it's a. I've realized with this podcast, it's a totally different content distribution model, and it's it's yeah. sort of based around people ripping your shit off. Like you know that you've gone viral when everyone's just re-uploading your video to their. Like I had to send out a few DMCA's and everybody responded with, "Well, I just wanted my audience to see your content." I'm like, yeah, but you didn't give me a shout out, dog. You just took my content and made it your content. Fuck. Uh, but I get it. it. It is just very different. There is I've I've asked all these people and they're just there is no one to one Reddit to English Dota yeah. for Spanish or Portuguese. No, Facebook is the closest thing I think you get, like groups and stuff. But yes. groups hold their own issues because of legal issues, which I won't get into. Uh, a lot of them yeah, were pretty that. fucking edgy. I joined a few of them, and my God, dude. A lot of... Edge, no, edgy implies you're trying to make jokes. They're just straight up racist. There's like yeah. there's nothing edgy about it. It's, it's absolutely horrendous. I think sometimes in my head I assume, like, oh, something must be getting lost in translation here. They certainly don't mean this the way the translation says it. And sometimes <laughs> I fear it's worse than what the translation... <laughs> It is yeah, much man. worse. The, the, it the is chat rough. There is, it, it's rough. The chat in the streams itself is not that bad, or I wouldn't put it above or below English streams. I think it's more or less the same. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you have to understand their culture. So many things that are, would be considered very discriminatory here would not be considered discriminatory there. Yeah. Uh, like I know one of the things I always have to... I don't gloss over this, right? But I just kind of have to accept that in any, <laughs> any sort of comment I make that... Does not make me look like a macho man, alpha, burly male will immediately be replied with so much homophobia, such a ridiculous amount of homophobia. And they always justify by saying, oh, he's Western. He's different. Like, no, that's not how it works. He's I'm not like they, they say like, oh, it's, it's OK that he's gay, which I'm not. But it does not, not that it bothers me, but it's OK that I'm gay because I'm Westerner. As if somehow <laughs> in Spain. I don't know. It's diff I don't know. So there's a lot of issues with that. That's that's yeah. one of the things you kind of have to accept when you're well, streaming. It's, it's hard to moderate. Now that I've gone through and like painstake, like one to one on different days, I'll ask Bowie like, hey, man, what does this mean? And then he'll ask his girlfriend and she does a little bit of research and then we figure it out. <laughs> but like that Zayori is first world Jonah. If people understood what that meant, there's no way that would be acceptable by English Twitch standard. Uh, oh wow yeah I but now. you know yeah she, she's a for those that don't get it jonah's a transgender peruvian streamer on facebook oh, no, yeah. so they're yeah they're just it's a two-fold joke of making fun of her for not being quote first world and making fun of both of us for being transgender and disproportionately me because i'm not transgender but it's also different because i don't yeah, I looked at Jonah's stream though, and she like weirdly embraces it. Like their equivalent of it's not like uh, subs, but Facebook was it super likes, whatever the fuck they call them, power fans. Um, if she gets enough in a day, she'll like do a read in the man voice, or like like she she sells parts of like the of what we would call dead naming or like misgendering. And this it's like embrace. So part of me wonders like. 
is that is that feeding this? Is that like cool that Jonah just completely owns this? It is kind of awesome that she just streams relentlessly and seems kind of hyposensitive to it. But at the same time, are we making it better? Like I have all these complicated thoughts in my head. I just don't mm-hmm. know how to process any of it, man. It's just it's it is so different from what it's like here in Boulder, Colorado, in terms of LGBTQ people. One of the people I, I admire the most, actually, in the Spanish stream that does something similar that, that maybe you can relate to would be uh, Choco, particularly the man I was talking about, who's a cast in most of the DPC with. And uh, the man the man is, uh, is black, right? Mm. Straight up. Not like, oh, South American, maybe like leaning towards that, like full on, right? And uh, he, they call him very affectionately El Nero, which means the, the black dude. But of course, uh, caveat here, Negro is not a bad word in Spanish like it would be in, in English mm-hmm. or like. It like just yeah. literally someone, means uh, black. Like when we say, yeah, exactly. hey, he's a black person, it's like exactly. that's the one-to-one translation. Yeah. And, and saying yeah. el negro, even though it doesn't sound amazing, wouldn't be immediately racist because we have other versions of that word which can be interpreted as racist, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, But he embraces these terms, right? But then when it comes to people that actually are racist towards him, like someone, a Peruvian streamer a while ago did blackface, right? That's when Choco oh comes out God. and says, yeah, which that's a whole other issue. And it was a, it was an uh, official event and everything. Anyway, the point is Choco oh. comes out and he says, right, this is where we draw the line. So it's interesting because he makes people think saying, right, your jokes might be funny, but they make me feel bad. You guys love me, though. He's the most popular streamer in Peru. And I will allow you to make these jokes because it's OK. I can take him. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't make me feel bad for you to use these things as long as they're in jest. But there is a line and you need to acknowledge there is a line and mm. you guys can't actually be racist. And by having this conversation engages the community into, well, some very needed conversation in that community, which is what, where is the line? Should like, am I, what am I doing? Is it enabling racism? Am I just a product of the system, et cetera? So some people really are aware of these things and Uh, some people just don't care. I mean, that's cool though. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. He's not somebody, I I recognize the name, but I don't know anything about him. If you'd asked me who's Mr. Choco as it applies to Dota, I'd probably would have said, I think he cast Dota in some other language that isn't English, Chinese, or Russian. And that would have been about He's... the extent of my Choco knowledge. So sorry, buddy. It sounds like you're doing God's work out there. Respect. Yeah, I imagine know about that. He's, a pre- He's pretty big on Twitch, right? Uh, I've yeah, seen him getting was. like six, seven K viewers in some casts. Oh, wow. He was the first yeah. to move to Facebook. He was the first person to uh, move to Facebook yeah. and do the Exodus because he was actually back then, Choco was beating us. He was my competition. He was destroying my casts and he was destroying <laughs> all the. All the all the Spanish casters, because he came in as a streamer that was also casting, right? Um, and so he and so he came in to popularize this idea, like very simple to Bulldog or Gork. I'm gonna recast games. I'm gonna get games that are already officially cast. I'm gonna recast them, right? The difference mm-hmm. is that once Choco became big enough, we can't we talk talked to him and we made like an alliance, like hey, we can't be undercut. Hey, we want these rights, these kind of things. And Choco mm-hmm. was very open to this. Um, he also makes a lot of jokes on his stream. He's known for making a, a comedic style of cast per se. The difference is his jokes tend to not be offensive uh, compared to some English streamers. Is he like a Spanish Silk Crazen, or is that is that not a, a nah, complimentary one to one? Less offensive, much less offensive than Silk Crazen. <laughs> okay. Oh God, dude, I don't think that is a fair comparison. Well, at I all. can't understand what yeah. Silk Crazen's saying, so to me, I only get the tone, and he seems like quite the clown. <laughs> but you know, I. Uh-huh. Yeah, is, maybe, is it maybe way the worse part. Than, than I, I think in my head? I mean, for what it's worth, the other day after the whole thing about uh, Arentes came out, I hosted Jubei when I had like a 
I don't know, 200 viewers or something. And I hung out in his chat for 30 minutes after that and just <laughs> continued to be insulted and belittled by his hardcore viewers that just tried to insult me for being transgender and none of the moderators seemed to care at all. So it was sort of an odd thing, sort of trying to be like, do the right thing and then just... <laughs> <laughs> see it perpetuated within that same cycle right there like can i take my host back how do i unraid what the fuck's happening right now um so you know <laughs> so you know it, it's I, i've hung out in still Grayson's chat but i admit i don't really know what the fuck's going on so maybe it's uh, a little a little worse than i realized my choco's bad yeah he he's one of those like he, i've talked to him in person and he's like super cool guy um but I think he ended up in a trap. Like, I, I don't know that much about it. But if I had to guess, I think he he understood how, like, edgy content drew a lot of uh, viewers in the past. And I think he kind of feels trapped in the way that, like, he kind of mm. needs to somehow feed that to to keep getting the response. Yeah. He's he the funny gets. guy. Yeah, that's uh, that's a hard yeah. thing to maintain. The edge and like that. he he uses he he says like I mean this is this is not me this is a character and whatever and he definitely doesn't like he doesn't talk like he's on stream uh, in real life uh, but it's really weird like the, how different they are and uh, it, it's just it's it's rough like I think some of his uh, content in stream is pretty uh, is it know, over the line controversial if it were in English uh, it wouldn't fly oh, dude is that what you're saying it would never fly it would never fly. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'll tell you that. But he's a cool guy, so it's 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 weird to me to talk well, about so it. So, what do you guys think about Zyklops? Because I feel very similar as you just described hmm. Bowie, where he like seems like a cool guy to me. I've had one to one positive experiences with him. Awesome. I've I've heard some 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 unsavory rumors, but truly just rumors. Uh, I've never seen evidence to back it up. Uh, but do do you think that his style of casting, like, are people laughing with him? Or at him? Is he representing the that accent and the non-perfect English speaker? Or is he kind of mocking them? I mean, I know he is one of them, and it's not like a fake accent, but is it is it purely just mockery of himself? Is Zyklops doing God's work, or is he just perpetuating more stereotypes or perpetuating more stereotypes? I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's both. I don't know that much. Like, I used to watch a lot of Zyklopes, but for, like, I did, to be honest, it's been a while since I've watched a lot of casts. Uh, I didn't see him casting recently. Well, he fell but... off for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned, where I think he was stuck mm. in that. And it's it's really funny for, like, an hour. You can't oh, listen God. to a whole best of three of it. And he can't co-cast with anyone. So you're forever bottlenecked being this I funny see. solo caster. Yeah, sometimes you just need to cast the fucking game and not be like an edgelord deluxe, you know? And when you're boxed into that, oh, Barack Obama, like you can't have an original joke every game. It's just impossible, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, it is quite funny sometimes, but I don't I don't know. Like whenever I, I listen to him, I'm not particularly nice like Ops fan because I like listening to like good cat or sorry, that was really offensive, <laughs> but, a, a proper professional cast, right? Like not a jokes cast. I yeah. also had the chance to meet him. Also swell person, very similar to you. I already like it was surprising because I'm like, dude, you and the caster are so different. <laughs> and it's like he starts casting and you can see his change of persona. But he's not, you know, the jokes that he makes are not like at his expense necessarily. They're most like word association jokes. And I've noticed that a lot of people that don't, that like him, are particularly people that don't speak English as their first language. Because mm -hmm. they associate, because these word association jokes, particularly when you're not an English speaker, are much easier to grasp. Um, um, especially because a lot topical. of the puns. Or, yeah, yeah a, a lot of the puns and jokes that people make that are like 
let's call them highbrow, which are not even that complex, but about like wordplay, stuff like that. If you're not not a, a native English speaker, you don't get them. You know, if you don't have a good command of your English, you don't get any of those jokes. So T Governor can be there like with his British wit and feel so proud of himself. But the reality is most people don't understand what he's saying. And it <laughs> happens to me a lot in my cast too. Uh, oh, so exactly so presents that population. That. I did a Zayori plus one with T Gov and I kind of tried to tell him that, like, mate, I think you like really take for granted that you have this big 8K brain and you explain these really pedantic, minute details. It's like he's he, I love the guy, I love working with him. It's like you need to focus on remembering that. Most of the audience is fucking stupid compared to you when it comes to Dota. Most of the audience is like 2K or lower. You're using all these acronyms and big words and your accent and all. Like you, you move fast, and most of us move like three steps slower than this. So just remember that you're you're really catering to those 8K Reddit fans right now, and <laughs> a lot of the rest of us are down here. You know, I sometimes I have trouble understanding his accent. I couldn't imagine if. Like you didn't have a great command of English. Like that really fast British banter is like I, I get lost. If I'm watching that shit on TV without subtitles, sometimes I, I gotta pause and rewind. So I mm. can only imagine what it's like like for y'all that are just working on your American English where we talk a, a little slower. Well, I lived in the UK for a while enough to get used to I mean, if I get used to the Scottish accent, anything true. Is, is child's play yeah. at this point. You know, you've got you've a, gone to Glasgow, dude. You've got a greatly unique accent. I'm a little sad that there's not more Scottish mixed in there, man. But you, you've got a. Have you worked on that, or is that just kind of come naturally from living in the UK and being a citizen of the world? Oh, I went because I went to a. Uh, uh, my my parents did me the favor. Let's call it. I had the privilege <laughs> to go to an American school when I was younger, so that's oh. why my accent is very like I. I do think like I'm native as far as I'm concerned. You know, my I English see. is. The same level as my Spanish or my Catalan, which my other, my mother and my father's tongue. And um, when the, the, the my accent is weird because I noticed this with a lot of my American friends that since I didn't hear English at home, right? Because my parents don't speak it <laughs> at all. My dad <laughs> sometimes speaks it. Sounds like he's speaking Chinese. It's very different. Uh, he's not very good at it. So I didn't. I don't have a base accent. So wherever I I go, I will pick up on the words from from there like much faster than most English speakers because it's just mm. it's just natural to me right my accent is, is moldable so I went to Scotland particularly I have a lot of words I don't use anymore because English people don't understand me when I use these words but like <laughs> I have a lot of words that have full-on Scottish accents with them uh maybe the cities for example I still say like I try to say sterling sorry I try to say with American accents like sterling I guess sterling. but I, <laughs> Yeah, there, there you go. I can't do it because I always heard the word in Scottish, so I can't, I can't do it in an, uh, an American accent, particularly, right? Yeah. So that's why my accent is very all over the place, and this gets a lot of people angry as well because they don't, they can't figure out where I'm from, and that angers them for some reason. I mean, that's good for commentary, though. I mean, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about accents and stuff, Bowie. Do you, do you feel like you have to practice out? Like, do you, do you warm up um, in English before the broadcast every day when we're doing DPC? Like, is it, <laughs> is it a source think... of stress, or do you just let it ride? It used to be a source of stress because uh, in the past past, I kind of had that small little dream of being uh, not really a hype caster, but someone that could could do both. And uh, I, I would definitely get a lot of complaints like when I was having some of my content on um, Noob From UA, like a lot of people, oh, this guy cannot speak English. What the hell is he saying? So like for a while, I was really obsessed with it and I did work on it a little bit. Uh, but nowadays, like I just let it fly, honestly, like. So many of the analysts are, you know, like if you get Lacoste, uh, Winter doesn't stream anymore, but like you get a, a like pretty 
different uh there's like a gradient of like english uh, accents right mm-hmm. but I, i i don't care that much about it i just try to make myself understandable that's uh, fair too yeah. Th- that's a good baseline goal as a commentator i think that's a good starting point <laughs> <laughs> uh but i kind of wanted to go back to like we- we're talking about spanish and um like your your like cast with choco i kind of wanted to go back to your partnership with uh second strike and valve when you guys did um for the tournament the, oh uh, yeah realms collide Yeah, yeah, because I don't know if you remember this, uh, Zayori, but at TI9, uh, they did that content piece with Slacks in Japan. Mm-hmm. And there was another yeah. content piece done in Brazil with like the girls tournament, the the yeah. the, the, the women's tournament. Do, uh, do you remember that? Oh, my God. Very, very vaguely. Yeah. I, I can't so, really picture the video, but was that the yeah. um, was that the imposter edition? No. No, it was no, uh, just like, like a TI piece. Like oh, 10, yes. TI oh, okay. Piece. It was literally just a video. So, okay. like, I, I, I get really uh, perplexed because, like, Valve doesn't partner with a lot of people. And somehow, like, they, they did this content piece with the female tournament. Only Brazilians. Like, I, I never really understood how that worked. Uh, and I was there. It was, like, a pretty fun tournament. So I wanted to hear from you, like, how that partnership came to be. How you guys did it? Well, uh, the thing is, we so I work with. Sorry, I just say it in, in English. I work with 4D, um, <laughs> with uh, all the time, like by because I, I I grew up with them. You know, they're they're like my, the they're 4D would probably be considered the old guard of 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 Spanish casting, right? The people that really mm. really worked for the scene, right? Unfortunately, English. Most of those people turned out to be evil. But in uh, you know, in English, you'd have the equivalence of like 4D wouldn't even be Odi Pixel. 4D would be something like capitalist, right? Like someone that's been mm-hmm. in the scene forever. I mean, probably I already would fit that that mold as well. Like the LD, the, the winter, yeah. the kind of people that have been that just hustled, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, since I grew up with them, we have a lot of trust between us. And they were the ones that had a contact with Valve. I just just say uh, to uh... ask for that money to sponsor the tournament. Um, Valve was just kind of looking, at least at that time, desperate for just answers. Like they wanted, hey, can someone organize a tournament? And the reality is that the only real org that can organize tournaments in South America are them and live media, right? And are reliable enough, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think, to be honest, Valve was kind of doing this as a test because 4D is kind of new and they don't know them as much as TO. They're, they're casters, but not TOs. And so mm-hmm. they they probably gave them this money partially as a test to see if they could pull it off, right? If they can do something like Realms Collide 2. And uh, the only reason we got hired is because genuinely I was like, guys, who is going to cast South America more than a guy that speaks Spanish? Please let me do this. I beg of you. And uh, they they allowed it to give us a license. But we didn't have contact particularly at Valve. It was all 4D. All, 4D was all the part of sponsoring and making sure they got the prize pool, et cetera. Which, by the way, hasn't been paid yet. I want to point out. The oh. prize pool, no. I mean, the Valve money to 4D has not been paid yet. I don't care being a whistleblower here. They, they oh. took four huh. So this is... This is from 2020, right? This I'm, I'm wrapping yeah. my brain around this. It took me a minute. Um, like be- November tournament. Yeah, so this was when Valve was getting flamed for being silent and not doing anything <laughs> to help anyone during the COVID yeah. times. We kind of burned through the Omega League and the the couple of like Dota pits and these like one-off events that happened. And then it just felt like this web of nothingness. So before DPC yeah. was formally announced and locked in, they gave some cash. I think they supported the summit as well in North America. Maybe they did something in Southeast Asia. It wasn't just this, right? There was a series of investments they made 
to try to one of the ESLs, uh, one of the LPGs as well. Yeah. Well, two of the LPGs technically because he split them into two. But this tournament was planned beforehand. They just planned it with half the prize pool. And then Valve was like, what if we double the prize pool? So it was like so the was summit. The summit was the exact was, same thing. We're doing this already. But if you could give us some more money for the prize pool, then this event gets a lot cooler and we can do other stuff. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, I guess so, I was meaning like South American collaborations with Valve. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, that's one of the difficult. I've I've always tried to say this in the scene that uh, that's one of the most forgotten about. I don't even think Valve, right? Like most TOs don't want to collaborate with South America in general, let alone the, like the Spanish cast or anything. They just kind of forgo it altogether. Um, I mean, I, I've mentioned hmm. this before. I'd actually mentioned this in the interview they gave or one of the interviews I did for Life Media, but. It is very telling that an S, like when you, in the English scene, when you talk about SA Dota, the name that comes to mind is Moxie. Not as an, as, not as an insult to her. She's a great caster. She did a really good job for the scene. I'm really happy she existed. But it wasn't a South American caster. It was never that yeah. these guys got any bit of notoriety or any bit of recognition for their work. It was immediately mm -hmm. the moment a North American paid attention to the scene, because before that was Grant. The moment yeah. a North American paid attention to the scene, ah, now... She's yeah. the South American caster. What about the guys that have been hustling there for ages, right? That's, I, I, I feel like the, the treatment of them has not been very fair in general. Yeah. And most people don't want to just indirectly contact them uh, or I, through anyone. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's such a like hard thing to comment on because it sounds like you're knocking on Moxie. And, I, I, like, not, and, and, and you're not. Yeah, and yeah. I've been in that same situation. One thing I always say to people to delineate it is I think it's hard for anyone who's like pretty purely a play-by-play -play commentator to be a champion of a region like that. And I use myself as an example, like after Grant parted ways with Dota, there was a ton of that dialogue of like, all right, NA is up for grabs. Who's the new <laughs> yeah. NA person? And then there were a couple of like play-by-play -play tier two NA commentators that were tweeting stuff like, hey, I would like to be the next Grant. Like, <laughs> bitch, what do you mean you'd like to be? Like, that's not, it doesn't, it's organic. You got, you got to, it's like, you, I can't, if, if it were just a matter of like a function of time, why am I not in line? Or why isn't Dakota in line? And it's like, because we're not, we're play-by-play -play commentators. Grant was like a player with a lot of those guys. He like, he played Dota at a higher level and would like play in in-houses. And there's like a level of respect on a competitor level there that I have, have never had and will never have with any of the players in any region. They respect me as a hype guy and a desk host, and that's cool. That's my job, but it's not. They don't respect me as a Dota player. They don't look at my MMR and have any sense of, ah, this fucking guy knows what's going on. They just respect the skin in the game that, like, obviously he cares about Dota. Fans need a, a, a mouthpiece. It's part of the system. It's cool, but it's totally a different form of respect, and that means you're, you're, you have access to a different layer of information, and you, you, it, it's just it's really hard man dota players are a hard beast to crack they're hard to communicate with and if you're not on that 8k mmr level like i see the way jenkins talks to me compared to how he talks to capitalist and newsham he likes me but he likes me in a different way you know what i mean i'm not on the same level of his as his buddies that can actually cue dota with him and like fucking keep up so anyway 
slash rant. Mm. It's just uh, it's it's a very nuanced <laughs> fucking thing to say, and it's it's just tough. I mean, man. maybe if that seven seven uh, loss streak didn't happen, man, it could be closer. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I mean, just and, a straight up flame now. <laughs> well, I, I'm just pointing this out as like I don't think any of it's bad. I don't even mean it as like a critique of the system. It's just an observation of the system, right? It's just fundamentally you can't just show up with your clipboard as a play by play caster in the player room, be like, hey guys, tell me all the things that I need to know about Dota so I can look good on the panel like it has to be more organic than that you have to be able to develop the understanding yourself to be able to talk to them on that level to be able to dig out these storylines and this big information it's it's just mm -hmm. it's a it's a complicated social system and i yeah. think it's i think the grind is underrated too because yeah. brand did a lot of like oh, a lot of years he was there for a while yeah, a lot of years like, obviously not only the grinding like he you definitely knew what he was talking about he was a lot of hours uh, entertaining for a lot of people that uh watch his content but, a lot of pub yeah. games you know it's like yeah, but, it's a combination of a lot yeah, of things it's easy to yeah, underestimate you know because i'm also um, uncomfortable kind of praising but yeah at all, but... i i would love to see more of that straight yeah. south american representation there is there the issue with with that though is that also Grant got a lot of opportunities. I feel like if you if you gave a person say the opportunities like even a tier two caster to cast all these True. games in one scene, right? Because one thing that Grant did do that a lot of tier two casters refused to do, which I approve of, of course, and myself included, is he recasted a bunch of games. So what he used yeah. to do is, oh, I'm not getting any coverage, no problem, I'll recast it. Which is, hey, great for you and your brand, but terrible for the scene in general. Terrible for the guy who got a gig and finally got the opportunity that you we're taking from him this whole time not because i any of you deserved it and this one guy gets crushed immediately right it's very easy to, to be the the um the king of the region if you do that that's why moxie's so impressive because she never did that she never took yeah. kicks away from people that's, true. that's why a, a lot of respect towards her. yeah 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 it's um it's really hard culturally too like just as a non-spanish speaker i i found it like it, it's such a bottleneck having to Google translate like every single interaction you want to have with someone and all of the content has all these like yeah, I even talked to Dota Pit about just the amount of extra effort that has to go into everything to subtitle it in all three languages, have it all cross translated, have it all edited. Like, it's it's just it's a lot. It's it's kind of overwhelming and you have a lot of days where it doesn't feel worth it compared to the ease of being able to just turn on an English stream and understand what's going on. Right. So Th I that's the uh, feeling that other regions get, though, with their content. Um, I remember like when one of the big things when in the Spanish scene was starting to like properly grow and the casting were starting to be watched by people. One of the big turning points were, were the Valve majors, you know, because they actually KF major was the first one to have an official Spanish broadcast for like a tournament that wasn't just two guys in a room, but like a studio broadcast. Right. Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. of the biggest things they had is they brought me over and I was the live translator for that. And that never happened before. Until then, all the pieces of content that were done by Valve were just not seen by Spanish viewers. Nobody that couldn't speak English could watch it. And I realized how much it sucked. And mind you, I was just speaking over the voices, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, e even in that situation, right, I was doing, I was, for the KF Major, I was casting, analyzing, and translating. So I got zero breaks over an 18-hour period, usually. Wow. And it was, it was hell for me, of course. But when you hear the people saying, hey, I can finally understand this video. Thank Christ they brought this guy whole, like they brought this guy over. Because yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to engage. You feel... Yeah, this should be something that regions look into more. There should be much more uh, concern for the international viewers and for the, for the rest of the communities. Everyone should feel included. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't just be... It shouldn't be easy for like anyone. The, the DPC system in general is trying to to kind of bridge that gap a little bit, right? Because I think there's been, at least like the coverage, you have different languages yeah. across all regions, I yeah. think. They've moved the They've minimum bar They've been trying to, to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, from from the English speaking TO side, it, it's one of these weird things where it's like a, a slightly non-capitalistic ask within a purely capitalistic system. And to me, that's one of those for the good of Dota, it needs to be as accessible as possible. But who's the one that benefits disproportionately from it being accessible? It's fucking Valve. So they're the ones that need to put the investment in to like yeah. make yeah. that happen as just a random third party tournament organizer trying to make Midas Mode 2 happen with a super razor thin budget i make literally zero off of other languages and it takes resources to manage other languages so it's like lowest on the list and like the first thing to get chopped and it's it's shitty but it's the reality of that intensity of like i'm losing money on this event i i have to cut everything i can that's not essential and yeah it it's it sucks that the people that don't have the razor thin margin haven't always prioritized it in the past. It seems like they are now, though. I mean, I saw the uh, the anime is going to be in like 35 languages or something. I think that's pretty cool. I yeah, saw that and was, was like, holy fuck, dude, we're moving. The needle. It like it just made this little tick. It's it's <laughs> like, I can see it. I can see the movement. This is awesome. <laughs> like, that was cool. Speaking of the of the anime, uh, I, I saw a Reddit thread from your cast. Uh, I don't remember which game was, but it was a Darkseer. <laughs> and uh <laughs> you were you know you make some jokes some weep jokes and i wanted to hear about your relationship with anime like do do you just like know about it and just like did a joke do you actually watch it <laughs> and what's your perception of the of the dota anime well i i'm a big fan i mean i would i know we joke it's an anime technically it's not an anime it's american animation so i think i should tell you enough yeah, about weave i am yeah. um mm-hmm. no Fair. i actually don't watch many anime i think it's okay like i think some animes are okay I, the style i think is a bit I'm not gonna lie. I feel like a lot. If I watch a lot of it, it's very formulaic. So, especially mm. besides the the top ones, you know, I watch like the classics. You know, some are amazing. I watch like Paranoia Agent. I watch Parasite. I watch the Ghibli films. Uh, but I am an incredibly avid manga reader. I read a lot of manga. Like I'm talking oh. in my life, maybe over a thousand like mangas. I think easily over wow. fifty thousand chapters in total. I I like reading wow. a lot. Like it's. Yeah, okay. I read a lot of manga. And then Richie makes fun of me all the time for that because he literally, every time after a cast, I will go to my couch and I'll start reading manga. <laughs> that's all I do. <laughs> it's like cast Oda, I read manga, and then I study stats. And that's all I do during my day. And so Richie made that joke because of that. He doesn't know what to call me, though, because he's like, there's no word for a, a manga reader. It's not quite so, weeb. Not not really accurate. It's it's something I mean, it's the ultimate weeb. I'm the elitist weeb. Yeah, I'm the, I, I read see. the book first weeb. Oh. Yeah, it sucks, dude. You should have read the manga. Everybody so loves that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> are you hyped for it though? Like, do you do you actually think it? Like, where are you on the spectrum of this will make a difference? Are you on the slack side of we need a tutorial to catch people that get caught in the skimmer, or are you on the side of like, yeah, this is going to be cool, but watching it and playing it are totally different. Anybody that watches this and has never heard of the game is going to be very disappointed when they realize what the game is actually like. I, I am on the Slack side. I mean, I'm also on the beggars can't be choosers side. So I've been asking for Valve to market the game and they, they released this. So it's like, thank God, you know, I'll take it, whatever. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I feel like, like to me, The Witcher did that for me a bit, right? I, I, I wasn't a fan of the games and I read the books, actually, not the, not the which is interesting because the books obviously came first. But I read the books that someone recommended to me and I was like, oh, I want to play these games now. Right. So has happened to me. Um, I understand for Dota is a bit different because the competitive aspect is a bit difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. I do think it's going to bring a fair amount of new players, though. I mean, I, I know a lot of league players that just play it because of their lore 
I say lore in a very flexed way when I really want to say they're misogyny. <laughs> they go, oh. oh, I love the character X. She's very hot. I'm playing it because of her. And I'm not kidding. I know a lot of people that play casually just based on that. So did you um, what, did you have any thoughts about I'm curious, Bowie, if you saw this as well, the uh, marketing right. campaign with their latest champion, I think the that weird augmented reality where they took the character Ooh. and then pasted her into the real world. And um, I didn't see that. It, it was like a big That's marketing. Really I forget what the is it S- Seraphim, I think is her the character's yeah, name. Yeah, Seraphim. Yeah, that was her name. And yeah. she's in like a, they made up a K pop band or something called like D- Diva. And so she's the characters in it. And there's yeah. like a, there's like social media accounts and it's all, all the posts are from the first person oh. perspective, like kind of pretending like the character's a real person. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've seen that part. I heard so of that. They specifically caught a lot of flack for uh, one of their posts on Twitter after the character was pretty established was they did like a marketing thing where she was talking about mental health and how she was feeling oh. down and needed people to like send her positive messages to build her <laughs> up and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then that was kind of the beginning of the end. But I, I don't know if it was regarded as successful. I think you're right, Avo. It's like a lot. You read the Twitter thread and you'd be like, "Wow, this was a disaster." But I bet you look at the numbers <laughs> and it's like, "Yeah, they sold a fuckload of these skins." Like I, I bet you the the sales were staggering because I mean the engagement on that stuff was nuts. I mean it it I mean, worked it from a like going viral kind of perspective. But but it's really creepy though, right? I mean I, I don't know when I saw that I was like, yeah. "This is," cre-, especially when they gave her a personality because I thought. Uh, that you know, you see it at first. You go and see that she's making posts as a person, and she like had posts like I think of her at the beach and stuff like that. Which again, as per usual, Riot is like, oh, let's sexualize. Oh, yeah. we have a character, <laughs> let's sexualize her. Uh, but once the the mental health starts started, because it wasn't that just that tweet. She had a couple of posts that were like related to potential suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. Oh, and really? Like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I've, I've experienced that kind of situation before, not firsthand, but with, with people, you know, in my the, the close proximity that I've dealt with that and. When I feel people making jokes, people always get offended by the suicide jokes, and I think that's fine, personally. Because when you're coping with that situation, it's like you, like jokes help you. So jokes don't feel that bad. Now, when you try to use it to make money, now that's crossing a line. Yeah. The, when it's a marketing campaign, that's too much. I was like, I, I wanted to believe at first, like, well, is this representation, right? It is, is, could there be a way to write this character where it's talking about mental health in a way that's like constructive and moving the needle on the dialogue? I think that is possible. I think that's not what they're doing. And it's abundantly yeah. clear that they just decided to add that little mechanic in when the marketing team thought, oh, wow, according to our research, this could really get a lot of engagement. It was never like part of the character's lore. Or, or like, I, I don't believe for a second that was what they were actually trying to do there. It's just min max and fucking sales. That, that's the whole. It's all psychological manipulation. And I agree. It's pretty scary. Pretty fucked. Do you want to buy from a company that does that to you? You know, it's like, oh, do I buy from this company? Do I donate to the government in North Korea? Like, oh, my two options. Is- yeah, can I return my Valorant skins, Riot? This will not stand. And I send these things back. Um. Yeah, I. You know, you got to count your blessings. I guess it's like Riot does a lot of stuff policy-wise to try to move the needle from a social justice perspective. I don't say that in a bad way. I mean that you know, seriously. Um. But it's a lot of it seems topical at the end of the day compared to their company culture. And sometimes I'm working <laughs> with Valve, where it's like I wish there was more on the policy side, but on some weird fucked up level, I can appreciate a little bit that they're at least 
real. They're not like posting an agenda and then their culture is completely different. They're just they just have a culture that's sort of oblivious to this stuff as it would appear, which is still not great. But it is different, right? Like the riot thing stings a little more. It's like, all right, now you you guys are phony balonies, man. This is all just corporate fucking sh- showmanship, you know? And mm-hmm. I mean, Val- Valve has faults, but showmanship is not, <laughs> not one of them, right? <laughs> I was actually trying to to talk, like, I was talking to my girlfriend about this, because, uh, like, in general, the, the Dota heroes, they're very, they're not sexualized like League of Legends, right? I think we can all agree. Comparatively, uh, yeah. LC's wearing armor. Yeah, yeah. E- e- exactly. So, uh, That's the argument I, we always I, I definitely feel like that real realness aspect you're talking about. Where like yeah maybe there's not a, a, a lot of like written rules about sexism and racism in Dota, but I do feel like from from like a, uh how can you say it uh, from a oh my god I I forgot how to speak I just feel like they they care about these things more than other companies but it would be nice to have like written rules about uh, some other stuff right I guess the the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, it is this weird, like, I want rules, but not too many rules. I just want these really specific rules. But I also would delineate that, like, a code of conduct is a little bit different from, like, a rule set, right? And having Mm. a basic code of conduct, defining what it means to be a professional player and just saying, hey, you're now a professional. Congratulations on making it to the DPC. Welcome to the DPC. You suck at PR. Let's go over a couple of things to ensure your career goes the way you want it to. We want to see you succeed. Like, just very basic stuff like that. It 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 wouldn't take a lot of resources. I mean, like it could be made by a third party. I think it carries more weight if it's made by the Dota gods themselves. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Rules is isn't even. That's like a few steps down the road. I'm talking just baseline expectations. Let's let's just make mm-hmm. it very clear. Translate it in every language we need to. Um, that is really my big ask. I think is I'm curious what you think, Ava, with the Jericho situation. Does that fall in this same kind of umbrella where I I I think he maybe knew a little more, like the sort of like I don't know, like come on, man, you've been in the game a long time. You this someone at some point has had this conversation with you. I would hope, but you don't know what you don't know, right? This whole idea, well, I thought match fixing was just intentionally throwing. I never thought about insider information before. I'm sure that's true for some players in the DPC. We got a lot of new players in the DPC this first season. Let's yep. let's just clarify that. Let's lay out the definitions and just clarify it so people can't say, I didn't even know. I've literally never heard that before. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a really fucking good excuse when it's not written down. I honestly am on the I'm on the side of like I think it's mostly ignorance. I I think most yeah. of the issues South America's had has been purely ignorance. I mean I can actually tell you a story because when the Jericho thing I actually found out about it uh, right after a stream because one of my viewers he sent me a message on Instagram and he goes Hey Avo, <laughs> I remember this message because like what? Because this is after my cast. I finished the cast. He's like Hey Avo, Jericho just bet for himself on his own stream. Is this a good idea? Should I bet on him too? And I go No 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 no. Do not do this. Do not do this. And he goes But Jericho says it's okay. I'm like I said the words eh, con to, eh, without res- without the respect. Con todo el respeto. Jericho's un pendejo. So Jericho's an idiot. Like he is a moron. He should not be doing this on stream. This is the I like it. I was wow. so certain it was gonna backfire. And but it was such a genuine message, and my viewers like, oh, thank you so much. I I was I was afraid of being of doing something unethical, so, I mean, I'm glad that he asked me at least, right? But the majority of yeah. time, it is that um, 
people are searching for like that kind of ethical compass. Mm-hmm. And something I have seen as well in the South American scene, and I, I, some people might not agree with, but there are some people that take advantage of the lack of an ethical compass to set their own ethical compass. Mm. And this becomes very dangerous. A lot of people that, that speak out in their own favor and they go, no, no, I'm doing this for the good of the community kind of situation. So there's a lot of players that are just very misguided. And the issue is that whenever South America makes a mistake, and I think in the Jericho situation, you actually, thanks to the podcast and everything, and thanks to Swado, mm-hmm. and thanks to we all speaking to Jericho, going, Jericho, you're a moron. Um, <laughs> there was a bit more talk about it. But, mm-hmm. and for example, I remember when Atun got uh, banned for making the macros, for mm-hmm. having the macros on his mouse, right? Mm-hmm. And then he demonstrates how the macros work on his mouse like a totally oblivious idiot, unaware of what's happening, because mm-hmm. he doesn't realize that that's illegal, that's against like, you know, sportsmanship, whatever. When that happened, nobody even went to Atun and went, hey, this is bad because of this. The comments, particularly from a lot of, except for like some talent, like Cinderin made a post found to be understandable, but a lot of talent, particularly those like crusaders for fairness and justice, just proceeded to put him on blast. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way this man could not know what he was doing. I don't know, dude. You you don't know what it is to be from a culture where they don't have access to the breadth of information us English speakers do. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. the fact that there's like no substitute for Reddit on South America speaks a lot because. I feel like in general, people are very alienated from like the conversations and the uh, common sense that we as like Reddit users and like this international community have. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I agree to some extent. I, I feel like uh, ignorance it, is a big part of some of these issues. It, it is such a hard thing. It's like you always have to throw that like, I'm not excusing racism, but how do we yes. define <laughs> ignorance? Ignorance literally means like, you don't know better. You are uneducated. You're you're sort of like like uh, you, you don't quite understand the grasp of what's going on. That's why ignorant mm. is a word that's different from hate speech, right? Ignorance is like you're a fucking idiot. You need to, like somebody needs to slap some sense. Somebody needs to sit down and have that talk. You know, we've all been there. I think you know everyone was an edgy gamer at one point. Everyone's had that moment where you say something that's really offensive when you're like 12 years old. You don't even know why you said it. You just heard it on TV somewhere. Or you saw somebody else say it out of context. It doesn't resonate for you. And somebody goes, dude, why the fuck would you say that? Holy shit, that was inappropriate. And then you get that reality check and it clicks. If you never get that moment, you just keep going on thinking that's okay. And some of us are, you know, I think that's that's what privilege really means, right? (laughs) Being raised in an infrastructure like I think breadth of information is a perfect way to, to put it, man. That's that's right on point. It's it's something I noticed because of my upbringing, particularly when I started dealing with a lot of um, uh, dealing. Sorry, <laughs> when I started interacting with a lot of like American or, or British people, which is that <laughs> I, I come from a country. Yeah, that's that made sound much worse. I come from a country where like there's there's four official languages in Spain, right? And unfortunately, a lot of the Spanish media, the the, the well, it's, it's it's not the say the most uh, free journalism. Let's call it right. So I noticed in my country, because of uh, I'm from one of the ethnicities that's a minority, that we get a lot of hate from the Spanish media. And our side has never explained the Spanish media. It's only explained in our language. So oftentimes when I meet with Spanish people that are from, like, say, Madrid, they don't speak my language. Like, at first, it's easy to understand. At first, it's, it's easy to just hate them and scream at them and go, I hate you. Like, why do you hate me? I, I don't understand. This is just baseless. But then you realize this person not only... Uh, hate you based on what other people have told them. So contextually, they've already embraced in that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. But they literally, they, unless they make a humongous effort, don't have the access to the information that you do. And this is not even talking about the international audience. I'm talking about like the basic information that I can read in my local news that they can't. Mm-hmm. They have no clue about anything that's going on in my country because, or in my part of the country because uh, they can't read it. 
And in, in America, that's different, right? A lot of the racist, there's there's nothing stopping you from not reading Fox News. And you could read more liberal newspapers. You could try to inform yourself of the whole spectrum. They all speak English. But in a lot of yeah. Hispanic countries, the issue comes to this. Um, in like Peru, is very similar. Access. The issues with the Quechua yeah. is the same idea. Yeah, I think that is, oh my God, dude, that's such a key piece of insight about the American lens. We take for granted that everything gets translated in and out of English. It's like the hub of languages internationally, right? But the further you get away from that hub and you get into these little spokes, the more regionalized shit gets and the less stuff there is just translated into the local tongue. And it's like this funnel, right? And it gets even more yeah. localized the deeper you go down the rabbit hole away from these really popularized major languages like mandarin or russian stuff like this um holy shit it's, it's it's not even just like hey you had access to that document and you chose not to read it it's i can't even read the document man i, I gotta <laughs> go out of my way and like you have this sort of you you have the temptation i can already see the reddit comments of like we'll just put it in google translator dude what do you mean it's like yeah but how do you find the document when you don't speak <laughs> the source language right like i've had yep. that before like how do i search for the Spanish speaking Dota Facebook group. I don't, if I type in Dota Spanish, it doesn't come up because the, the group's all in Spanish. They don't write Spanish on it because they don't want gringos <laughs> like me finding it. It's SEO'd for non English speakers. That's the whole fucking point of it being a Dota yeah. Spanish group. So, anyway, yeah, that's, um, that's just such a key piece of insight, man. Holy shit. Sorry. I'm just brains exploding right now. Like, it, it's actually a matter of access. Like, it, it's not. It's not willful ignorance at all. It's it's like forced ignorance. Yeah, that's that's why it goes back to what we were saying earlier. That every time I see one of these scandals, I was like, all right, great. Like, yeah, let's catch the person was racist. This is bad, but can we do something about it? Like, can we can we start initiating these programs to try to educate the players? Can we start investing money into having a, a scene that has less sexism and less racism in general by actually doing something about it? Not just waiting till a problem pops up then yeah. whacking it like you're playing some sort of racist whack-a-mole and you're going, oh, th there we go. One more down. Uh, wait till the next one pops up. It's just a matter of time. Racist yeah. whack-a-mole. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Um, are you overall optimistic about South American Dota? I, I maybe just Dota in general. Like A lot of casters I talk to in the Tier 1 are neutral at best uh, it's not a secret that a lot of them are diversifying right caps doing voice acting work shiver hosted some counter-strike od pixels the only one that's just like no i just <laughs> like dota mate it's just all dota for me um are, are you like oh, I, pixels, really no yeah <laughs> no, I, I always say melbourne <laughs> well it's, uh, it's true that was uh, an offensive accent but like um I, I always like use Owen as my far right on this expect on this spectrum. Like, are you on the OD Pixel side of Dota esports? They're like, ah, it'll all be fine. Dota's fucking Dota. I love it so much. I know other people love it. You know, being the uh, TI Grand Finals caster is, is it's a unique mindset, right? So I get it. Uh, and then the other side are like, you know, the people like me that just keep bitching about how much Dota is failing and how if we don't fix stuff, it's going to fail faster. Um, I'm curious where your barometer is, and then specific, specifically with South America. Oh, well, in, in Dota in general, I probably would be on the on your side, where I, like, I constantly... Well, I try to be use my voice for good, because I want this game to last longer, and I'm worried that it might not last longer. It is a worry on my mind, right? But I'm also in the only pixel side in the sense that, despite the fact that I'm not even half, not even a tenth as accomplished that that man is, or will probably ever be, to be honest, that guy's a legend, but... When I got into esports, I mean, I've got offered a lot of gigs to do other games as well, particularly in Spanish. I had a lot of opportunities to leave Dota for more, for better gigs and better and, and better games. Like when I, 
actually would be getting a lot of money now. And I always said no. I, I, I'm only doing esports for Dota, really. I just love this game. So mm. in my mind, it's like, yeah, I can worry all I want, but I'm not leaving this game. Like, if Dota dies, I'm going back to becoming a software engineer. That's why I have a career in it. Like, there's no way I'm, I'm just jumping ship or, or doing voice acting. Yeah. It, it's just purely Dota. So both ideas exist in my mind of we have to improve this. But also, I'm I'm drowning with a ship. I, I will sink with a ship. I feel like happily. I'm becoming that guy. In my head, I used to think of like, I mean, Dota's my game now. Like, I used to, I started in StarCraft 2. So in my head, I've mm -hmm. always been, you know, I don't want to chase clout, but I'm open to this idea of doing multiple games. I do follow esports at large, not just Dota. Yeah. Like, Lacoste is somebody else I know where he says, like, I fuck esports. I, I'm literally, <laughs> I'm Dota. It's just Dota. Dota is the only esport I care about. Everything else, I just, I couldn't care less. Um, but the longer I stay exclusively in Dota, the more I'm kind of like, God, everything sucks, and Dota sucks less than most of the other yes. stuff. Yeah, you know, it, I agree with that. it's all bad. This is just less bad. So we should really count our blessings and enjoy the, most of the freedoms that we've got. Um, I, how, where are you on on that scale, Bowie? Are, how are you feeling? optimistic these mm. days because you've gone through hard times as a talent this is one of the better spots you've been in mr dpc yeah. caster so like you're yeah. you're you're like dota trajectory your graph is like at all-time highs right now but how does that True. correlate for your thoughts about dota at mm. large like five years out let's say so i think during covid where we actually didn't know uh, what would happen with dpc uh most tournaments were like in europe I was definitely I was I was very pessimistic about Dota's future. Right now, I especially with the anime, I feel like uh, I it did shift a little bit. Like I definitely share uh, Lacoste's opinion uh, about Dota. I think I I was always open about other games, but I just cannot play them, you know. And I really like being good at what I do. I just don't feel like I would like if someone asked me to cast valorant or something like i don't think i would do it well so i i just i i i think dota is, is the best esports game by by a mile and i just love it so yeah i think i share avo's perspective pretty much i, I want i want it to get better i do have my fears but i think that's pr probably the best we have uh in terms God, of esports games so what you guys are you guys are affirming my my latest my latest working theory. I have all these like theories that I think I'm going to turn into blogs. Then I write a third of it and go, this is garbage. And then it just gets retired. <laughs> but my late, my latest working idea is that Dota is just a giant passion project. And all of yeah. our woes are that we're trying to jam this square shaped business model into a mm. round shaped passion project hole. And, um, I, I Everything it comes back to, and I look at these orgs that are really successful, and on the outlook, you think, man, they're slaying it. They've got all these sponsors. they got all this, all that. And you look under the hood and try to understand why. Like, here's a good thought experiment for you. Of the top 10 esports teams in the world by valuation, how, what percentage of them have Dota teams? Guess what? It's not many, right? It's like Liquid is up there. That, that's kind of number one. Why is Liquid the only S-tier esports org that invests in a Dota team still? The answer is because they've been in it for a long time and key people at Liquid really fucking like Dota. 
That's the answer because they know how most other people don't know how all things equal. They wouldn't get into it now if they hadn't already been in it. Right. It was a good opportunity way back when. And you have this sunk cost and there's people there passionate about it. a lot of these big sponsors like, oh, my God, how did they get Gillette? Because some gatekeeper at Gillette plays fucking Dota and likes it and wants to support it. <laughs> That's the answer like nine times out of ten. It's not some objective business decision. It's not because of the business models. It's not because we've got these scalable enterprises. All that buzz has expired. All those people that were riding the growth have come and left. They're focused on the next cutting edge thing. And what we're left with are just all the bozos like us that want to create passion projects around the thing that we like. Exactly what you said, Avo. I've got a real job. I fucking love Dota. If I can contribute to make this place better and do some work on the side, that's fucking awesome. But I'm in it for Dota. I'm not in it for esports. That is Dota in a uh -huh. nutshell. And that's why we're on this little island because we're not ride or die with esports like everyone else. We're just ride or die with our own little bubble. It's all to rooted on passion. To cement the idea and also uh, speak nicely about my uh, Spanish casting mates, it was one moment where... Uh, and Riot was trying to make their waves in South America, right? And particularly Peru, because South America is mostly league, but the more passionate and the most, uh, the biggest fans tend to be in Peru mm. and actually Bolivia, which is mainly Dota, right? So ironically, league is not full of passion because South America there, they compete with a bunch of other esports. Dota mm -hmm. is exclusive. So Riot at one point, uh, they tried to poach Quote, like literally every single Dota caster that was doing it in Spanish for South America. Whoa, so it was wow. me and a bunch of other people. And so they they brought those them in Peru, me in Spain, because you know, I was living in Barcelona at the time because I was like 16, which is very funny. <laughs> and they they tried to poach us and they and they brought us to the offices. They show you around the offices. For me, it was Media Pro, which is one of the biggest, by the way, media conglomerates in Spain in general. Like not just in esports, like they own everything, like almost major television stuff like that. They show you around. They put a they put a contract on the table. And it's like, I think it was for each of us around 4K a month, more or less. I can't remember the figures exactly, but it was around that, which is ridiculous Still, back then. That's yeah. so, so people get perspective. I was earning maybe $200 a month at best, like on a good month back then. So we were all doing that. Like we were earning literal peanuts because Spanish casting didn't even take off. And without a doubt, every single one of us said no to that deal. We came back, we had a Discord call, and we laughed at Riot for thinking they could buy us. Like, dude, we're doing Dota. We already, we're, we're idiots. We're, we're not going to do this for money. It's been too long gone that we're going to move to League of Legends now. Wow. And it was a very endearing experience. But I think that's, that's literally what Dota is about. Just a bunch of people who are honestly stupid from a financial sense. They could be much more successful in other games, but they choose yeah. to stay because they just love Dota. I'm that happened with uh, Brazilian casters as well. <laughs> I'm we, not surprised. Yeah. We had a, a poaching. I mean, it's been a while. I think it's been like six or seven years ago uh and most of the ones that actually migrated to league of legends actually quit so it's there you go yeah validate uh, me bowie <laughs> validate yeah. my choice because my parents never would i mean <laughs> money's nice but yeah it's I, we we had that thought at moonduck with both overwatch and PUBG, like that exact same dialogue dude uh, both those games came out like they were ripe for the picking. And after whatever it was, a month or two of Overwatch, I think we had an internal conversation of like, anybody like this game like enough to champion leading our events? Anybody like this game enough to want to tow the Blizzard line? And it was just kind of a ubiquitous, nah, not really. This just isn't doing it for me. It was a fun month. Don't get me wrong. Same with PUBG. <laughs> we did like, what, four Moonduck PUBG events. We uh, did a combo thing with the, the Canada Cup guys. And 
it was okay, but after three or four, it was like, this is already feeling like a grind. Like, I don't really care about this. I don't really know what to talk about this. It's not fun. It's not feeding my soul. If they were overpaying us to do this, I'd be down. But just doing tournaments, like when we do a 10K elimination mode, it's fucking thrilling. It's fun. It's satisfying. It's soul food. Like, I'm happy to break even on the event just to do it because it's fun. PUBG was not like that. It's like, if, if I'm breaking even, I'm not interested. This is not worth my time because it, there's no passion. It, it's purely just a, an hourly type type men's mindset, I guess. That's a great mm-hmm. term, by the way, soul food. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you dude. don't mind, that's mm-hmm. an awesome term. For sure. No, you, you got to fill it up. Um, yeah. Well, season two of DPC, I guess we should wrap this thing up. But any, uh, you know, we, we've gone over. There's been a lot of broad stroke changes. People have suggested bottom two getting prize dollars, relegation matches getting played between the four teams that would move across uh, uppers and lowers, all these kind of things. Uh, better distribution in the majors. What are your priorities? And, uh, you know, season two, are, are we going to see you casting more? Anything you can talk about or, or hype up for us? Uh, I guess we're still a little ways away. I can't I can't uh, say anything yet, but I will be president of the DPC. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> because right now as a caster, you know how it feels like, right? You're waiting for your invite for the DPC and going, am I dead for three months? Um, no. Nope. <laughs> yeah. I have to live for another three. Now it's just uh, TI yeah. four times a year. Like, all right, am I in or am yeah. I out? <laughs> <laughs> very brutal it was it was nerve-wracking i was having uh richie and i were convinced we we're not going to get dpc in fact we only got dpc by chance to be honest uh oh. corona actually helped us that was why we got uh division two cis because uh Reli- know, reliable reliable uh, remote casters man there's a demand yeah, exactly there's... that's what happens <laughs> it's true so yeah hopefully i'd get to do sa next season as well um that's that's my goal as well it, i mean you know if you guys need a spanish english guy in your coverage I, i'd happy join you guys um, but I think I think for next season I'm hoping for just more structure in general, right? I feel like this first season was a bit rushed. A lot of the players were complaining about this. I'm not the biggest fan of a lot of the kicks that we're seeing right now, um, and, and the savageness, I guess, the, the cold uh, kicks that are just like, oh, you're pretty much screwed until TI, like for this whole year, you're screwed if we kick you now. But also, I don't really care, and we're gonna leave yeah. you on the wayside. I think there's a lot for of bringing me to Division One, though. That was that was cool. That yeah. was awesome. I, I actually yeah. did comment on that. I I I love uh, the Bowie's include. I thought that was great. It, I, I think you you should get him for the next season as well. Just it, it does <laughs> seem weird. I I totally agree with you though. It seems like if if we were designing uh, like the task is all right, fellas, design a DPC system. We come up with draft one. It fits some of the basic modeling. It hits the broad stroke stuff, and we go. This looks great. Ship it. And then the reality is you didn't really think about the nuances and the little details. And like, you didn't play out a full simulation of where the threads can really go wrong. That's kind of what it feels like. Like it hit the broad stroke check boxes, but there was a lot of, we definitely just live beta tested this thing like a hundred percent. And that is uh, not unexpected maybe, but just sometimes a little frustrating. It's like, man, I I feel like we could have, run a little simulation on this and maybe thought about like things that seem very obvious now that we've had six weeks and then some to really digest it. It smells valve, right? Like when you look at, (laughs) Oh, hoodwink introduced to the game. All right. This hero is a carry is a mid is an offlaner is a position five. I'm just going (laughs) to leave it there for two months. And uh, (laughs) when we feel like fixing it, we, we will like, it just feels like they do a lot of stuff, uh, 
I don't, where I, the I don't, fucking I don't team the bundles? Fly. Where are the fucking huh? team bundles, dude? That 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 is a big, oh yeah. Like come on, like is there yeah. like any like it, just as you said earlier in this podcast, Davo? I don't feel bad calling this one out. Like where's the money, dude? You came to us and offered us money, and now we can't like we're like stringing along the people that need the money because you haven't paid us yet. Why? What what <laughs> what is happening right now? Just give us the money or don't. But why are we stuck in limbo? Um, I, I you know. I feel you there. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, in that sense, 4D actually paid all their teams out of their own pocket and are waiting to be reimbursed. So fuck kudos yeah. to them, dude. Oh, fuck. That, wow. that organizer, man. If you ever I mean, meet... That's uh, a lot of money, so, right? If, that's my, if this is my moment, small shout out to 4D, particularly dude. to the one of the owners, Adrian Mome. That guy, he came into the scene completely new. He was a, a small TO for like small amateur organizers, finally got to make 4D. 4D is the closest thing you'll get to a community uh, backed kind of like TO. Right. It's that's, absolutely beautiful. That's a page out of the Moonduck, man. Moonduck book, man. That's exactly how we used to do it. Like a, a lot of the other studios or like kind of middle groups that end up doing hiring for events, it's always this cash flow. Well, we'll pay you when we get paid. And it really sucks to do an event and you know that they get to benefit from it. And then six months later, you're still waiting to collect your $5,000 or whatever it is. It's like, you know, that's not an insignificant sum of money, man. I, I could use that to do stuff. I like to buy things. I got to get a new car too. Um, yeah, I, I think that's uh, it, it. That is something not talked about enough that gets tossed under the bus a lot. This like talent just get roped into events and kind of accept it with these handshake agreements. And it's like, who am I collecting from? Becomes a question after the fact. And really, that should be you. You should be paid after services are rendered as a contractor. That's how it works. You you showed up. You did the gig. You fit the specs you get paid that this whole like, well, we're waiting for the sponsors. Like, yeah, that's your fucking problem, man. I hope they pay you where my invoices do. We had an agreement. They're, they're disconnected (laughs) transactions, right? It's a weird thing that that gets floated onto talent somehow. So regularly, um, sometimes it's just because you don't have the money, right? That's certainly a a reasonable explanation, Uh but but you have a thing though as a talent as an individual right you yeah, don't have yeah. the, the cash flow they do so if you lose this x amount of money to you might mean the difference between you eating that month and you not eating that month whereas to yeah. the to usually it's very rare that the to literally doesn't have the money however i say that lightly because i have done moonduck events where that has literally been the case of like all right you know like i've said this before but like captain's draft four we lost like more than fifty thousand dollars on that event so after the event's done you're looking at the books just like okay so uh some big decisions got to be made here like hey purge you mind floating that talent fee for a couple months like it's i've i've been there where you really are the you just don't have the money because some shit goes wrong and you know disasters happen and whatever else so um, mm-hmm. I try not to assume the worst from everyone, but if you don't hold them accountable, then everyone will always pretend like they don't have the money, and that's just how it goes. So, can't can't be doing that. It's not about yeah. witch hunting; it's about the seeking explanations, right? Like, yes. if I'm not going to get paid on time, I I would like for you to go and say, "Hey, this is why." Just communicate with me. I've had events where they haven't paid me for a year, two years. Sometimes <laughs> I remember getting a sixty dollar pay two years late for like a. I don't know, event I did a while ago. I think it was one of WESG, WCGs. Jeez. It was $60, man. You tell me in two years you couldn't find $60? Yeah. Come on. Uh, so that was, I used to always play, pay my co Don't get me started on those guys. 
<laughs> they haven't paid yeah. you either. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I never been... cast uh, WSG, but like uh -huh. a lot of teams that you know actually got substantial oh, yeah. amount of money didn't get paid, and they're they're hosting another tournament right now. They, they it just ended last week. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. like this. All of these Brazilian teams are playing the tournament that they didn't get paid for, and I, I just don't understand how how they can get the credibility to well, keep because it's the, the ultimate grift. You know, that's what the GESC guy said, right? That, that was his whole yeah. response in, in that interview or statement or whatever. It was like, well, how I don't have the money. It, it's it's all gone. It's, you know, it, the whole thing's fucked. So I couldn't pay you if I wanted to. But if you want me to be able to pay you back, the best way to do it is to do another event so that I can make it profitable. And then I'll use those profits to pay pay back the debt. I mean, that, that sounds great until you realize that he's just going to do it again for this recovery <laughs> event and just double down on taking your money and then really fuck off. Like, yeah. you know, you're already dealing with soulless people that don't give a shit about the ethics of making promises and then not paying you the money for your labor. So it, it's just another grift for them. You know, that slash mm -hmm. shrug, that's business. Like, not really. <laughs> not to the rest of yeah. us. I think the you know all all of us can agree that we actually love Dota. So like the fact that like people that cast Dota, I, I'm pretty sure this actually works for other uh, esport games too. But like no one wants to beat the guy that's like, all right, this tournament didn't pay me in four months. Oh, so yeah. you just keep quiet, right? Because you love the game and you want to keep casting, and you know, like you're gonna lose a lot of opportunities if you don't. But it doesn't it look sucks. it doesn't look good for anyone. It's like you want to mm -hmm. wield that power as a true last resort because even if you end up getting paid, it's yeah, like it everybody comes out money in the future. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's just just yeah. pay people. It's it's not about the instance as well. I don't want me to get paid. Like, I don't want you to pay me for this event. I want this to stop happening, right? Like I can front yeah, it for yeah. one, two events. Right. I don't want to have to do this every single time, right? True, that's true. that's my concern. That it feels like we never deal like these are all systemic issues, and we always deal with the individual instances of these issues, yeah. and we just ignore the systemic problem altogether. And then it's just wait till the next Reddit thread to hope that maybe discussion goes and and someone actually pops up on the Reddit thread and goes, "How about we don't let TOs do this anymore? Like how about?" From now on, right? Yeah. I'll but forgive your debt. I don't care. Some things have changed as well. I mean, I think ESL is notorious for being very bad in terms of talent relations and over the course of like five years or so, turning it around completely and now being pretty notorious for being good with talent relations. So uh, I think there are examples out there of how kind of union type talent efforts can make a fucking <laughs> difference. I, I mean, that is a scary word. I mean, it's not a union, but it's like it, it's a union type sort of Hey, if enough of the tier one talent that make this show happen say, I'm not working the next one unless you fucking pay me on time. Um, yeah, that's that's scary, right? They can't run the show without the the eight key people that they've invested in to build up the brand. So you can flex that leverage sometimes when it needs to be flexed, let's say. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's awesome for me. Yeah, man. Um, so any anything else we got here, guys? Uh, should we wrap it up? And anything else grinding your gears, Avo? You want to get off your chest? Mm. Oh yeah, I want just want to say because I thought we we're going to talk about the DPC. So just one. Oh thing yeah. Oh I yeah. I want to talk about DPC. Yeah, let's do it. Was I think that unknown's choice to change their support to Adobe for Prada, or. I don't know what his name is supposed to be pronounced now, but Prada is... Oh, S-C-C-H-D. There's a name. There's a way to pronounce it that someone taught me, but I forget. Prada is what it's called. Okay. Yeah. 
that thing that was one of the worst decisions I've seen a team make. I think that unknown might have just blown their chances in the next season, honestly, by doing that. That's one of the biggest changes I saw, to be honest. Damn. That's a that's a pretty yeah, nice I, hot take there. Bowie, do do we agree? Do we disagree? That's uh uh, I gotta say, I was very disappointed with Prada uh, this season. So I'm not sure how <laughs> that player specifically is gonna mesh with unknown. But like considering his pedigree and the fact that he's like a player for a long time, I definitely I didn't feel his impact uh, in the first season. Yeah. So he might be right, you know. Uh, I definitely felt like Adomi was a good player. Adomi yeah, like is awesome. Average. But the the, mm. the argument uh, or what I what I was thinking is that Prada is from that old school of players where. There's mm-hmm. just good South American Dota, right? The problem is that good South American Dota, no offense, is just not good enough, right? You you just yeah. at this point you can't uh, be recycling players that couldn't get to TI three years ago because the level right now is ten times better, right? Yeah, and Prada really. is not necessarily from that old school as much, but his ideas are I wouldn't call them innovative. They're just good. They're just fine, and he plays mm-hmm. with a bunch of good players as well. Uh, what Yadomi was doing is because he comes from the Amborgesa days, right? He was from the one of the players from the stack that went to the miners mm-hmm. before they changed him. He does mm-hmm. bring a lot of innovative ideas in a very unique style, which made Unknown different. So right now, what I'm watching when I watched Unknown, particularly yesterday in the BTS Pro Series, is I'm watching a team that has no essence. There's nothing unique about this team. It's just another team of five good Dota players. Great. Mm. You're me, a middle of the table, maybe bottom of the table, but you're never going to get better because you don't have a defining style, which is what the majority of Tier 2 teams need. And Yadomi was the person bringing that. There's like this development period where you need to be okay to take some risks and some officials so that you can learn some stuff and develop. And I I sort of see what you mean where you're... It's almost like you're treading water. You'll put up games that look pretty close, but when you look at all the games in aggregate, you'll look back and go, yeah, there wasn't really much development here over this two-month period or three-month period. That's uh, all right. Well, that that is definitely a bold claim coming into uh, the second season, uh, especially with unknown. Like they they were right on the cusp, right? This was they were right yes. there with infamous yeah. of what I would say a disappointing season, kind of upset by no ping in a lot of ways. Infamous yeah, no ping changed players in between the tournament, right? So like it should be, uh, which made them like, better though, to be honest, because Mingate true. was not training with the team. Oh Very really? True. Oh. oh. I, th- I didn't realize they didn't make it to the English community. Sorry. <laughs> yes, that, huh. that was that was one of the reasons why uh, Mingate was not that interested in training as much as his teammates were. Oh, and that's I mainly see. the reason why they put the stand-in. Yeah. Wow. So okay. is he... I guess... Has there been insider information I just revealed by accident. Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I'm actually wondering, because I remember that they officially said that he flew back to his country because of, yes, like... Because he didn't feel... He didn't feel uh, he wasn't happy, and so. The, but when the he flew, was wasn't he already out of the team, or did he flew back and kept playing? Oh, so that was not explained. Well, so yeah, so he he wasn't happy with his time in Brazil. He missed. He said he missed Bolivia, right? Which is where he's okay. from. Okay. And so he told his team, "Hey, I can't play from here. I'm I'm just too sad. I'm not. I just can't play. I don't feel comfortable. I need to go to my home. Home. Okay. Cool. Hmm. So the team flies him over. They fly him back to his own home. Everyone else stays in the team house, and um, Mingate then refused to like he proceeded to not train with the team proceeded not to put the effort with the team which then led them to be like all right we got to consider new options right because it can't be that this man literally goes and says i'm not comfortable here you fly him you do all this effort for him and then you still proceed to not be you know putting your 100 percent with the team wow Mm -hmm. so i mean for us we were just told mingate had health issues Shit. Yeah, I, I might have been. I've been. I don't know if I could reveal. <laughs> no, no. They they said he flew back, but like what what I understood from that was that okay, he's he's not feeling well. We're gonna send him back to his country so he can get treatment or or, or whatever. But I apparently, 
link real quick. This this was the source on Liquipedia that we were official. Okay. It was just the Facebook update from No Ping uh, that kind of translates to it's a big day, something WESG. I mean, Gate, yeah. uh, due to health problems, returned to Bolivia to recover. We wish him a quick and peaceful improvement. And that's it. So, yeah, that's that's what I mean. Like, they said he's coming back because of health issues, and then he's out of the team. But what Avo is saying is that he flew back before they actually kick him officially. Yes. So he was probably was there for a while. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, it could be that they're referring to emotional health issues, right? It might not be necessarily physical health. Because I always true. assume it's physical mm. health. Okay. Could be could be mental health. I'm not really certain about that situation. But I do know that the, the, uh, the team is super happy with HFN. Super oh, that, I mean, <laughs> they they beat a lot of big guys. I mean, I mean they beat yeah, he improved the team. Yeah, but it's the uh-huh. attitude as well, particularly because in that team, uh, I know like Panda, who I I talk to regularly, he he left his girlfriend in Peru uh, to go to Brazil, mm-hmm. and due to quarantine, when he comes back, he also can't see her because this was the period where Peru was still not closing in because his girlfriend is from a northern province, right? And he's from he's from Lima. I believe. And then so he he could not go visit her after he came back from Brazil. So he was completely losing out on this time, right? Mm-hmm. So then when he this kind of idea of like other players going, "Oh, I know you made a sacrifice, but like I just can't I just can't do this." And then you still don't put your 100% when you're giving all the help possible. Mm-hmm. I, I know that that gr- that did not grind his gears the right way. It it did, it did like frustrate him a bit. Yeah, uh, I see. Gotcha. It's understandable, right? I, yeah, I understand yeah. it. I, I was very sad for his sacrifice when he told me about this cuz girlfriend is a sweet, very sweet person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, especially in these times. It, it takes a lot to get everybody in the same place. So I I, I get it. I, I get it. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Well, that's an interesting little nugget. Um, I'm hoping I didn't reveal any. It, like all of a sudden, I'm getting a message from Noping being like, "What are you <laughs> talking about?" Reviews. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're pretty okay. At least it, you know it's old news now. Maybe a good thing we waited to do this podcast until uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks removed from DPC, but. Uh, Hey, it's still interesting. I mean, we we, we kind of know that we get uh, kind of the drip of information as stuff gets translated down to us. So we, we sort of do the best that we can. Um, but, man, I'm optimistic. When does uh, Season 2 start, actually? Because we still have the Major to get through. Um, it's still April like, 15th. what, a, a six weeks it's away It's like a or month something? from now, right? month and uh, a half, maybe. maybe. Five weeks April from 13th, now? More or less. April, April 13th. 13th. Oh, okay. Around that time. So it's actually kind of coming up, man. Enjoy the off time while we've got it here, boys, because the grind is coming back. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to do less less uh, regions this time. Not gonna lie. Yeah, that sounds like a 24 hour schedule, man. So where can people find you, buddy? Are you streaming? You uh, you, you tweeting? What's uh, wh- where can we get the hot takes on a regular feed here? Uh, you can find me at Wait. it's Mister Ava Plus on Twitter and on Facebook, and then uh, on Twitch and on Instagram, you can find me as Ava Plus. Um, Facebook is usually my platform from Spanish viewers, so expect. Spanish posts there. There's where I probably put my hot takes. So if you want to see anything more personal about me, it's all going to be in Spanish. There you go, uh, English Twitter speakers. The real hot takes uh, need to be translated. There you go. I well, because in, uh, in honesty, you know, in, in Spanish, I have many more followers. So I'm like an actual figure of the community. So whenever there's an issue or whatever, I'm like, Makes like sense. in the Me Too movement, right? I thought, yeah, why tweet about it with my 800, 900 followers when I can post about it with my 18k followers and inform a completely different audience right so right. when i make that mm-hmm. choice most of the time any sort of big issue that i have any opinion or comment on i try to always do it on facebook and also facebook allows for 
posts that are longer than 140 characters. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand why, how people can make like, properly debated things on Twitter. I never understood that from yeah, the audience. Twit longer, near impossible. Dude. Yeah, twit longer. Yeah, but twit longer is only for Aki's. Like anytime someone's goes about X on a twit longer, it's a meme at this point, dude. Every time I see a twit longer, I'm, I'm ready for the worst. They're always disgustingly bad. Oh, I don't, don't want to read poor, it. That poor this. brand. You're right. Yeah, twit longer has just. Uh, <laughs> It's just objective. Just like you're right. It, it somehow became that little the the platform kind of perfect for that. Oh God. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. It's awful. You're right. Yeah. You're right. All right. Fine. We, we need a new one. Sorry, Twit Longer. We're moving on to the the fresh one. Um. All right. Well, another episode of Sad PP done. This was a long one, but Avo, man, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. So much insight. You are a, a very worldly man. I'm looking forward to hearing from you again. We'll have to bring you back on once uh, season two kicks off to get all the uh, the insight here, all the scoops. Yeah, I'd love to. It was very fun. Thank you for having me, Zayori. Big fan of yours and Bowie's work. And yeah, I got a, a special shout out to Bowie, though, because I'm so happy that he got the DPC this season. I think that's very well deserved. So I, I never got to tell you oh, in person. Dude. Secret I mean, I've watched weapon. your videos forever. You, you, I, I'm really happy you finally get an analyst spot. Honestly, uh, it's uh, thank you well, very much. Yeah, that was the I first mean, thing I the thought. DPC uh, system, right? Because I yeah. think the fact that you get these leagues really, really helps with it's the regional. Boot. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I had that same thought though. On one last note, I mean, you mentioned this earlier, Avo, but when I started hearing about talent lists for South America, when I, I found out Dota Pit was doing it, my first thought was, okay. Who can we get that's actually from South America and can give us the scoop? Because I I know Trent and I can read Dota buff. I know we can hype up the actual Dota, but who's going to give us the stuff beyond what we can find on the surface layer? And uh, Bowie has been very key for that. So I, I'm glad he was available and not scooped Aww. up. By, I was worried he was going to be scooped up by the Portuguese production. When I first threw your name in the ring, that was the very first thing that came back. Like, wasn't he going to be doing... Doing Portuguese? I, I thought he'd be the Portuguese guy. I was like, I, I don't know. I'll fucking ask him. I have no idea, actually. So it all worked out, buddy. It's been great. Looking forward to doing it again, man. Oh, yeah. All right. In a month. Yeah. Well, we'll see you next, on the next one, folks. Find us iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. You know where to find us by now. We'll catch you on the next Sad PP.